0: She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to
1: embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within.
0: Hi everyone, good morning and welcome to She Loves Herself the podcast. Happy Friday to you all. I hope you've all had an amazing week. This is an absolute belter of an episode, episode three, and we have an amazing guest. It's none other than Natasha Hamilton. Now, Natasha Hamilton, wow, what a guest. Natasha and I connected back, oh, a year and a half ago, and we've done some work together, and she's just a great, great girl, she really is, and I invited her on this podcast, I couldn't not have her on, her story and... Yeah, her share in this podcast is real, it's raw, it's vulnerable, it's everything that I am trying to bring into this podcast. And she just embodied it all and went for it. Honestly, it's so easy for people to sit back and judge, to think we know someone when we know nothing about them or their story or their journey. So guys, I sat down to edit this, right? Because it's an hour long and I try to keep these episodes to around 40 to 45 minutes. I couldn't, I could not cut any of this out. Every part of this episode was just like so, so good. There was just nothing I could, I just couldn't. And I wanted to keep it real with you guys. I'm conscious of your time, but I also want you to hear from her and hear her story. She talks so openly and emotionally. And I really want to share all of this with you guys. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. This episode is sponsored by Unearth Your Power. Unearth Your Power is an incredible 21-day online life transformation course that will focus on your past, present, and future, allowing you to manifest your dream life. And of course, this course was created by myself and my amazing sister from another Mr, Lynette Gray. Use our code SLH50 to get £50 off this incredible life-changing course.
1: She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie.
0: Welcome to She Loves Herself, the podcast, Natasha Hamilton. Hi! (laughs) Oh my God. Just before we started recording, we were just having a chat there about actually how we nearly kill our kids sometimes in the morning and uh, God. God.
1: Monday mornings. I don't know what happened to my kids today. It was like, they just left their body and they were just a shell of a child. (laughs) Um, Just bumbling around the house, you know, just like uniforms crumpled up in piles, you know, when I've like spent like an hour and stuff yesterday. And I was just like, what is going on? Uh, they don't give a shit, Tash. They, they care. like, I love my children, but sometimes I'm just like, what happened? <laughs> I know.
0: I know, God, honestly. But they, they don't. They're just like, "I whatever. And we're, I was saying this to another guest I had on. Being a parent is, you know, such a, a reward, you know, such a rewarding role,
1: but also can be so thankless. Oh, this is the thing, like, they just, I mean, they are, of course, they're children. I know. Hello. But for me, I just think, you know, they, they get up early, especially like my son, and he'll like go on his computer. And then it's like, he just goes into brain dead mode in the morning. And it makes me angry. And I'm always like, don't be doing that first thing in the morning. But he does, and he'll wake up before me. So I don't even know he's yeah. doing it. And, he, and, he's, and he's like, well, you know, I got up a little bit early just to play a little bit. And I'm like, no. I know. <laughs> oh, you're not listening. You're not, you're not like, you, your brain's not waking up in the way it should. Mm. Um, and yeah, you know, we've gone into a local lockdown. There's nothing for us to do. We've been playing games, watching telly and that, but you know, obviously the computer becomes a little bit heavier than what it normally does. Yeah. And you can just tell. They're like yeah. zombies it drives yeah. me plain. So I've told them they're grounded. It's not that they can go anywhere in any way. <laughs> But they're grounded. And you're grounded. Like, yeah, you're grounded. <laughs> We're in lockdown, but you're grounded. <laughs> uh, they're not. they're not having the electricals. I said, because you're, you're not connecting, you're disconnected yeah. to what's going on around you. And it drives me insane. I can completely relate my
0: youngest is six right and he gets up I mean I'm up super early but if I'm at the gym first thing and you know Daryl he he likes a longer lion in the morning but Eden he gets up and he honestly goes on the switch and I I'm like I, and I you know they're funny because the two of them are so different but um the younger one he doesn't seem to let it bother him too much but the nine-year-old he is really affected by it It affects his mood it affects his energy mm-hmm. and then it's like a complete tantrum trying to get them out the door it's like oh moaning and uh oh. do you know yeah.
1: and then Ellen, i don't know what she did this morning she must have brushed her teeth wiped all the toothpaste from her mouth with her hands and then <laughs> rubbed them down the back of a school skirt so just as we were walking out the door I was like, what if she's got like two white handprints of toothpaste on the, on a bump a skirt? And did you just let her go in or did you have to clean no, it? No, I was like, get in the kitchen. And I, I was trying to wipe it off and then her skirt was soaked. So then we had to change the skirt. And in the end, I was just like, just get to school. I just go. Just go. Oh, my God. I know. It's,
0: it's mad, isn't it? And so I want to just dive into that. Actually, when we're talking about kids, you, how old were you when you had Josh?
1: Your oldest. So I was 19 when I fell pregnant and I was just 20 when I had him. So, yeah. too young. <laughs> <laughs> young <laughs>
0: mum, right? When you think about you when you were 19 and you think about how you are now, what is that like when you go back and go,
1: did I actually do that? To be honest, I'm always quite shocked. And I'm also a little bit impressed at the decision I made because... I, when I was younger, it was all like, it was just career. Like from the age of 12, I was singing and performing like every weekend, like through the week auditions. It was just what I wanted to do. I wanted to go on cruise ships, I wanted to be on stage. I wanted to have a record deal. I wanted everything. And it was just like children were never on my radar. Even when I joined Atomic Kitten and we do in-store signings and people would come along with babies and ask us to hold them for pictures. I was terrified I was like (laughs) I don't want to hold that baby because I I was scared I'd drop it I didn't have a natural maternal instinct I was never that kid who said I want to get married and have babies Mm. I was like me like no I don't want any of that I just want to focus on my career so I fell madly in love with Josh's dad like at a very young age and when I look back I think freaking out my mum and dad must have been going mad because he was like he was like a security like bodyguard slash doorman he was like built like a brick shit house. he was huge <laughs> you know and I was like 17 like this little dainty thing mm-hmm. bringing him out to my mum and dad's going oh this is my new boyfriend <laughs> oh my god it's like what the hell and I think a lot of that you know when I analyze it now I look back he made me feel safe because I was living in this crazy world. I was away from my parents. Like I grew up in a very close household. Like my dad was like my idol. Yeah. You know, I was that little girl that sat on my dad's knee until, you know, it was getting to an age. It was like, yeah, you can't do this anymore. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> you get too big. You know, I play with us here. <laughs> like, uh, like, we, like, we were dead close. Yeah. And, um, you know, leaving home at 16, going to London, like not having that male presence. And for me, the male presence was my security.
0: Yeah,
1: safety. And look at like, and when I look at my life and like, especially my relationships, it's like, I always felt that I had to have a man in my life to be secure. And honestly, it's only recently that I've even realize that and acknowledge that and been able to work on a deeper level on myself of like I know I don't need a man but that was just my default switch I was just doing it that was kind of yeah. it yeah but, um, yeah me what a friend. great insight yeah oh, I, literally this year I was like oh this is where this comes from but I've been saying to myself consciously look for the lessons like what's going on here like mm-hmm. what, what what's the bigger picture
0: yeah and so when you were in the band so before you got pregnant then I when you went moved down to London but you said that your passion was you know to be on stage to have a record deal so every young girl's dream that wants to do that is you were living that dream so were you fully living that dream or was there parts of it that at the time, we're like, oh my God, this is toxic. I want to run away. Or was it actually you
1: you were young and so you just cope with it? It was all that I knew because yeah. it literally had left school and then became a pop star. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it was like, this is just it. So no matter how tough and ugly and difficult it got, you just did it. And it was like I never questioned what I was being asked to do. Mm. Um, even when I was being asked to do things that upset me like I I always remember this being at a photo shoot with the girls and it was like a lads mag mm. and you know back then I was the youngest in the band I was very tomboyish in my physique I never had boobs mm. I was never one to flaunt my figure yet here I am in a studio with a male photographer with male lighting assistants like being asked to put on a school uniform and sit on a desk and put like and be all provocative and sexy Mm. and i was like what the fuck like i've literally just got school this is not sexy to me like this is actually making me feel uncomfortable and fran josh's dad was there he was actually at the shoot and i was crying i was was going i don't want to do this wow and everyone was like well you've got to because it's part of the promo trial and Honestly, I cried, I cried, I cried, I mm. cried to the point it was like, well, you're going to have to do it. And I did it through tears. Mm. And when I look back now as a mother, as a, you know, an older woman, I'm like, that is wrong on every level. Like yeah. no one respected my feelings, my un- how uncomfortable it made me feel. Yeah, you know, and it was difficult because the other girls were older and they were quite enjoying the experience. Okay. And to be honest, later on in my career, when I did photo shoots with the girls, when I was in a different place myself, mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. But that, at that point, it was too much. Yeah, It was too yeah. much. And then for years, you've got people, men, <laughs> yeah. with that picture, you know, to sign. And you're just like constantly reminded of, of how shit you felt and how uncomfortable you felt. Yeah, plus it would have felt,
0: like, creepy. I guess yeah. as a mum now, right, Tash? Yeah. You look at that, and if that was Ella,
1: you'd be like, no bloody way. Like, I had to hope she'd have phoned me and gone, uh, yeah. I may have to do something I don't want to do here. Because, yeah. uh, you know, that wasn't a thought in my mind, because it was just like... Oh, this well, is actually, what we do? This is what
0: yeah. we do. but I think times have changed now, though. Like, people have voices, and their voice is encouraged to you know to 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 be vocal now back then I mean you're talking in the 90s right it wasn't like that it was like shut up and just do it you all I mean you always did things you didn't want to do that was that that was it. it's like just well you don't want to do it tough you know the, the party line is well we all do things we don't want to do we all have to do things we don't want to do and that's really drummed into us and it's not until later life and you know I never had to obviously, to endure anything like that. But I remember being younger, doing things that I didn't want to do, even though my mum would have said to me, don't do what you don't want to do. But there's a pressure of life is not easy. And, you know, you all do things you don't want to do. So just get on with it. But it impacts you later on in life. Yeah. And also
1: when you're younger, you f- sometimes you feel obliged you feel pressured peer mm-hmm. pressure you know all these different things it's not when you're also you've got the insight of life that you're like mm. like I would never do anything right like where I am now if it made me feel remotely uncomfortable I'd say uh, thanks but no thanks and mm-hmm. be totally confident that I'm not gonna upset anyone else or I'm not being a diva I'm mm-hmm. just I'm listening to the morals that within me, and it says no, and I just say thank you, but oh, no, thank you. Um, I love that. Listening to your body and tuning in, but
0: again, I see people now, even on social media, and I speak to people now that do feel a pressure to be a certain way, to speak a certain way, to act a certain way, to show up a certain way, to look a certain way, because if they don't, then you know they're not fitting in, they're not good enough. So. Whilst we're older now, right? We're maturer. We can say, no, my boundaries are this. And I'm saying it's a hell no to that. But it still happens now, right? And in, in other ways, maybe not so much with the lads, Mags, but it happens with, you know, with social media. People having a feel that they need to change who they are because they're not fitting in, you know, yeah.
1: they're it's not conforming. It, right? Like when you see all the young girls and, you know, plastic surgery at such a such young age yeah. and, and altering the features drastically
0: yeah
1: you just think whew, wow you know, A, at 18 I'm years packed. old like, yeah it, I mean it, it shouldn't be I just don't think it should be regulated I mean I know you are officially an adult from the age of 18 but you don't know your shit when you're 18 you don't, you don't. You I mean I'm you still do. laying in my shit now Me too. <laughs> you know what I mean I'm like I don't know my shit um but I just yeah. it's it's frightening that it's almost the norm I feel I do feel like we might have be coming out of that era now yeah a little bit more because yeah. as as the parents we're realizing the impact it's going to have on our children so it's almost like when I was a kid you didn't really talk a lot well I didn't talk a lot to my mum about stuff like that. I learned the facts of life from Just 17 magazine. Yeah, I mean? yeah. Totally <laughs> the problem page at the back.
0: Problem page. <laughs> and God, what was the other one? Position of the Fortnite.
1: What was that one? Oh, <laughs> uh, was that Cosmo? I don't I know. I can't remember. I used to get these like magazines. Like, I just didn't have deep conversations. Yeah. around anything like growing up as a woman stuff would be more that's just no, we no. just didn't um but I don't know a lot of people that did Tash we'd have a similar they had a friends and, at school who like were quite open about like just puberty and like growing up and stuff whereas I was you know I read Judy Bloom's book Are You There God <laughs> Me Margaret <laughs> <laughs> and like, you know, that was like my Bible reference. I'm showing my age now. That was like the book that I read every night to learn about puberty and growing up, and, you know, the few like classes in school. But um, I'm quite open with my kids. I always have been because I, 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 I don't want them to ever feel like they can't come to me like and we we do have conversations Mm. like even now Ella's only six we got her back the other day you know she starts pointing and you know so you're having a conversation I was like you know we're kind of on it now and yeah I I think it's a lot easier with Ella as well being a girl like having those personal Mm. conversations with the boys oh my god oh god I've got that to come. Few moments where the boys barge into the bathroom, yeah, and they can scarred for life.
0: <laughs> oh my God, I know because that's it. You're like, oh God, when did I start? Actually, like, but which is now for me. But I mean, as a mum, you're like, we're it's so innocent. But we, we, again, it goes back to that body shame, though, is not it? It's like, oh, oh you know, things have changed. I mean, God, when you talked about speaking to your mum about stuff, I, you know, I mean, I've. Of very very close to my mum but we didn't talk about loads of stuff there's just things that were like nah yeah. but my mum put a fear of god into us when we were younger like you know when you, you had obviously you got pregnant at 19 and like to me I remember my friend getting pregnant at 19 and um and I remember, mum, I, I believed, this is God's honest truth, right? I believed that my mum would have kicked me out of the house if I ever got pregnant. Now, knowing my mum now, she would never in a million years have done it. I think she just thought, I'll scare them into never in getting pregnant young so that they believe that I'll, like, chuck them out. Like, that That fear was put in as, oh, no. And I believed it. Now I'm like, of course she never would have done it. How was your parents' reaction to you getting pregnant at 19? To
1: be honest I took them out and got them drunk (laughs) I was like how can I because that I grew up in that that household Mm -hmm. the fear of God everything was fear-based fear 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 like honestly growing up I was just like "Ah." Um, and sometimes I have to stop myself doing the same to my children because I, I I lead with fear and then I'm like no just have it an actual conversation. About it. Mm-hmm. Stop making up all these mad stories. Up. Um, <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I was terrified, really, really terrified. But I was live. I had my own house. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like I, I feared that they would disown me. Mm. Because they would be so disappointed. Mm. Um, and yes, they were shocked. They were very shocked, especially because, as I said earlier, I was never that girl who pined for that kind of life. Mm. Um, but they they supported me. Yeah. They, You know, it was difficult and it was hard. I can't even Im- begin to imagine what they were going through. I think they were just, they were just scared. You know, I just got this career up and of running. Of course. Was I going to lose that? But everything within me at the time was going well, who are you not to have this baby? Because mm-hmm. you've got a house and you've got money and you've got this. And I don't know whether it was me angels looking after me yeah. and saying everything's going to be okay. But that's the decision I made. And even now I look back and go, I can't even believe you, you did. Because you you could, I potentially was going to lose everything. Mm. um, Which I didn't because, you didn't. know, I kept my job. I didn't get kicked out of the band. Everyone supported me. But that decision fundamentally set into action a chain of events that was just going to totally change the uh, the the direction of my life forever.
0: Yeah, and so when you said that ch- that the the, the, tra- the trajectory for your life then changed after that, what happened then when you had Josh?
1: Uh, well, so I ended up having an emergency C-section, which takes six weeks to heal from. Mm. And literally six weeks later, I was back on stage mm. in high heels, doing full on dance routines. Like I'd not had a baby. It was almost like I was frozen in time. Mm. And then we just fast forwarded it like six, eight weeks. And then they just, and I was here again. It was almost like that never happened. Um. There was no like ease and backing. Mm. It wasn't like I had a PT who was helping me, you know, get fit. And yeah, it was literally, I was at home while everyone, the whole, you know, the whole pop star bus was still going on. The girls were still traveling the world and they're dancing here and they're traveling here and then everywhere. Yeah, And it was almost like I was forgotten about. Yeah. And then it was like, oh yeah, we're, we're, you're going to be, we've got the Disney tour next Saturday. Yeah. So like the, a car will pick you up and you'll be there it was just like there was no transition there was no easing myself back in um there was no sitting down with someone and going how can I juggle this with a baby um it was almost like I was just supposed to know what I was supposed to be doing mm. I didn't have a fucking clue yeah sorry pardon my French <laughs> in, but I'm good for that here um... like, I didn't have a clue what I was doing, yeah, you know, there was no manual, no rule no book, and it was very much me just going, okay, mum Well, I think I'm going to need you here, there, da 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 da, and she's going, okay, and that was it. But it yeah. was just when I could look back. There was no collaboration and there was no support like even during my pregnancy i never went to like an antenatal class because i was torn so i mean i think i might have read a book (laughs) on what to expect like Mm -hmm. that i was given by the doctor when i had a scan Mm -hmm. it was all very like (laughs) what the hell's going on i was not prepared for anything
0: yeah yet you coped to the outside world remarkably well right
1: Good acting. Skills. Good acting.
0: Skills. <laughs> Listen, we've we've all done it, right? Was there points where you
1: wanted just to say, right, I quit? You know, yeah, I did quit quite a few yeah. times before I actually you? did in the end, and because I was just like, I can't do it. I can't. I can't go through the guilt anymore. Mm. The guilt of leaving him. The guilt of him not wanting to hug me when he cried because What's he spent your mom? Had more time with me, mum or be comforted by me, the guilt of not feeling like a very good mom, not being present, the guilt of traveling, even if he was with me, I wouldn't see him anyway. I'd be in work before he woke up. He'd be asleep Mm -hmm. by the time i come back. It was draining emotionally, physically. You know, I was having meltdowns left, right and centre. I was probably drinking and going out as well to Mm -hmm. To numb the pain of him not being around, and you know, trying to still live that young girl lifestyle when, because everyone, no one else had a kid, and yeah, it just all got a little bit. It just all become too much. Mm. And was it then? Because
0: you then you weren't with the dad, Josh's dad, then either, were you?
1: No, I think Josh was about four months old Mm -hmm. when we split up. But that was that was a really toxic relationship, he Mm -hmm. was not in a good place and it was massively affecting the family unit. Um, But then, yeah, what, what, you know, the fallout from that, it was messy. It was public. Of course, that's it. it. Yeah, it was (sighs) really uncomfortable. But to be fair, a lot of what was in the press was actually coming from phone hacking yeah yeah what was we didn't realize that was happening at the time so I just thought you know my son's dad was selling stories on me
0: Mm -hmm.
1: which obviously impacts on your relationship of course and then years down the line you get a phone call and you're like oh this is what was happening and you're like wow wow I know and it's processing that isn't it And
0: so, you know, you've went on to have more amazing children, absolutely amazing kids, and I love watching them on your your social media. They're just gorgeous. And your kids, though, what really shines through with your kids, Tash, is that they're so happy and loved.
1: A million percent. Like, for me, people will often say, oh, do you not regret leaving the band? no. No amount of money is going to make you happy. What makes you happy is looking at your kids mm-hmm. laughing that when they're free, you know, they're not affected because I was affected. Um, they're robust. They, you know, they can have a conversation with anyone at any age, you know, they're, they're outgoing. Mm-hmm. They've, 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 listen, my kids have been spoiled. They've traveled the world. They've been to amazing places. They've been to all these gigs and tour buses and the lights and, the, you know, and all that. And um, none of them, well, I don't know about Ella, but the boys, they're not, they have no interest for fame. They don't want to do anything that I've ever done. They've got their own thing going on, but they enjoy what, you know, that what they've experienced because of my job over the years, which is great. Mm. But they're just really freaking, they're, they're awesome kids. You know, my eldest son's just qualified to be a paratrooper. I know. <laughs> he's so freaking solid and grounded and he's got his head. Like, I look at him and I'm like, I was a mess of a of a person when I was 18. Like, mm. like I just, I was in Atomic Kitten and I just look at him and I'm like, when me 18 and him 18, wow,
0: mm.
1: he's just like, He's just so dead screwed on.
0: Yeah. But that's a credit to you, right, as well. It's definitely a credit to you because, you you know, they've lived with you, they see you and they learn. They learn this stuff, right, from parents. And, God, we're so focused as parents on what we didn't get right. And, oh, you know, and i have seen this and i have seen that. God, Tash, I've parented my kids different now than I did two and a half years ago when I went on this journey I used to think it was that, you know, instill fear and also like, you know, shouting and, uh, and, and saying things. And, you know, when they would fall over I'd be like, right, come on up you get, I wouldn't let them really cry. Cause I didn't want them to cry. And it was like, you know, sometimes it's like tough love and, you know, ugh, these scenes like learning the hard way, tough love, it's all learning. And, but it is, but also what I really feel now is we give our kids a voice and, when I was younger I I was encouraged to have a voice but again it's it's generational it's even changed so much like my mum it was the case of children should be seen and not heard Mm. you know don't speak back to adults sit there and be quiet, be a good girl and don't answer back and even if you don't want to do it, you do it anyway and it's like, now we give, we give our kids that voice to say, well, no, I'm not comfortable with that and I want that. Also, they can be cheeky little shits, sh- right enough and I mean, I would never speak to my mum the way I've been spoken to her, my kids, like, <laughs>
1: do you know? Yeah, I know. I mean, like my eldest son, he's like one of my best mates mm-hmm. we've got, we're quite close. Like we will talk to each other about stuff, and you know, we'll say to me, "Oh, what are you doing that for?" And yeah, mm-hmm. you know, I think you're stupid, but you know, it's your it's your choice. He's almost like my freaking dad sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like really mature. We're just like my other son, he's very much a closed book. So I'm like always trying to like work me way in because I'm yeah. like, you know, and. They're all so different, mm-hmm. um but super freaking proud. Like, yeah,
0: oh, incredibly. And I, I said that to you. You know, your kids are gorgeous kids, and you can tell they've just got beautiful energy. And that is a credit to you as a parent. And I think we really do focus on what we don't get right, as opposed to what we do get right. And everything is a learning, right? We don't. We're not perfect.
1: Mm-hmm. I mean, one thing I always because I grew like my mom and dad's still together. They've been together forty odd years, so I always grew up in that household like that was solid, full of love, like literally showered with love. So regardless of what happened in my personal life, mm-hmm. you know, I it's always been about the kids. I've always parented, co-parented the children yeah. without them being stuck in the middle. I mean, and it be two parents at war because I don't I don't know that. I've never had that. So I'm like I'm not going to go to war even though I might <laughs> think certain things about you. <laughs> I'm not gonna let that trickle down onto my kids and then them have issues about it because we know it's that. always been like where I've come from what is, whatever's best for the kids is best for the kids and that's one thing okay not every, it's not yeah you know, I'm not a freaking I'm not perfect but that's where I've always come from and I feel like touch wood I've you know I've done my best to always come from that place of yeah. well it's not their fault so let's nurture them and keep them safe and not bring them into it
0: that's amazing sometimes
1: you know, sometimes, you know but it's like even with your mum and dad living in house they'll have arguments weekly, you and you'll be sat there going oh <laughs> you know that, that's just
0: no it's that's it and that's life and it's not you know it's not always perfect um, and so I want to go back to that actually. When you were talking about the co-parenting, mm. which is amazing, and you you do it very well. Did you ever find that pressure? You know, because you're in the public eye, right? You still are. But but back then, you know, if if a relationship didn't work out, did you find that you got a lot of backlash? There were people writing stories about you, putting shit out there about you, because it, let's face it, that you know people can be so unkind. Mm. And it can have an effect on our mental health. Did that ever affect you when there was a breakdown in a relationship, Tash, and it was out there and people were saying things? And
1: Yeah, it, it really used to bother me, actually, because people are just mean. <laughs> and, you know, with social media, people would just message me, like, the most horrendous words. And when you're in a low place, like, whether it's prenatal depression, postnatal depression, depression, whatever... Those words penetrate your armor a lot easily, so I'm I'm like getting people sending me things constantly on social media, and then it was almost it was almost like I was just absorbing it, and it I felt like a slag. I felt like you know this you know people would call me four by four, and it was probably the most horrendous thing. I mean it's just a horrendous thing to be called and I felt shame all of a sudden I was like oh my god like I feel I I feel like shame I I feel ashamed and I really went into a dark place at one point like I was I couldn't get out of bed I would cry a lot I was going to counseling because all the things I've achieved in my life, all of a sudden, none of it meant anything. It was just these words that I was reading every day on social media, all of a sudden, that was defining who I was and how I felt. So like, I lost my head, I lost my way. And I really had to like dig deep to to come back from that, because, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself. And that's what happens, you know, you let it penetrate your armor, you start going, having a bit of a pity party, um, and you've, you you can't stay there for too long. You just can't. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And now I can say those things. And even when I say those things, right, it's like I get this oh, in my belly. Yeah. But I can control it. I can keep it down now because that's not my reality. That's They're just it. shitty words from people who are just not nice. And that's it. it doesn't. They, it doesn't define who I am it's like I'm a bloody good mum and I know that it's like I know it I know what's real and I know what isn't those words are not my reality I love that
0: Natasha but do you know what it is bullshit and I think that it needs to be called out we know what goes on but I mean this whole be kind thing and people jump on it oh be kind be kind you know and then somebody does something and everyone's not being kind again it's like well whatever happened to be kind like be us be a good human being yeah like what is wrong with you and as a coach I do think that I think you know there's something fundamentally going on in your life that you feel that you need to say that shit to people to hurt people what and actually I do feel sorry for you because I think How sad must you feel that you need to put that bullshit out there to someone? That's awful. What happened in your life that you need to penetrate that bullshit?
1: Do you know what? I don't even. I don't. I don't pity people like that. I like. I have no feeling. Like I've just got no feeling because I think people. Some people are just not wired right. Mm. And there's nothing I'm ever gonna be able to say. The I can't. You know, if I said be kind a million times, like if it's not in someone, it's, it's not be that way. You're right it's not in them. So I just switch off. Uh huh. To block. Like there's no. Like sometimes like like years ago I bite and I I like write things. Count you like, back. There's just no point. Like, even yeah. if I go live on social media now, like, there's some right weirdos out there. And they'll start commenting, like, if I'm doing a live with someone and they'll mm. be, like, writing weird, p- you look like a pedo and all. And I'm just, like, what are What's you talking about? You- Actually, I, my, my, my freaking 10-year-old wouldn't even write that. I you know, know, I just te- now I'm just, like, comments off. Mm. There's a cray-cray people out there. There's nothing you can do about it. You've just got to... Just yeah. be happy with who you are, block out all the other bullshit. You've just got to do
0: that. You have, and I think that's it, and it's actually not being attached to it because knowing that it's not your stuff, it's their stuff because people yeah. that say that stuff, it's it's coming from a place of fear that they've gotten themselves. It's not your stuff, and I think but when you're younger, when you're going through it, I mean, I, can, I can't imagine how hard that would be you know, going through that as a new mom to, to a new child and, and and then a separation and a breakdown. You never enter into a relationship with someone thinking, oh, I'm just going to have, I'm going to enter this relationship knowing that it's not going to work. Like you go into it because you, you know, a lot of the time you fall in love and, you know, you love that experience and you want to have a child and you want to spend your, you, you know, your time together. You don't enter it thinking, "Ah, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to go into this and... Uh, separate in a few months and uh, have it all out there for everyone you know it's not your intention it's like yeah. god what's the matter with people
1: and that's the thing I always wanted to like ex- explain to people mm. the situation and now I'm like it's actually none of your business it's true It's true. <laughs> well, no, at the end of the day it would have been I feel it's more detrimental to bring children up in a home where there's hatred there's anger mm-hmm. there's dislike there's no love Mm -hmm. like no my children know exactly what love is they know how to love you know they know what being loved feels like you know that's the main theme going through the whole of our life is love like what is love you know they're safe they're sound that you know everything's fine here Mm -hmm. like we're okay and people will always 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 judge and I think that's the one thing that eats away at most people this being judged Mm. I mean I've been judged on a on a you know a whole different Uh, level yeah (laughs) so it's quite nice to be where I am now at peace Mm. with it it's like I don't really care. Actually, I don't care. <laughs>
0: That's amazing, Tasha. I wanna just, it leads me nicely into your journey because you have been on a real, like a real roller coaster, you know, of a journey. But then, what's happened to you? See, in the last year or two you know, tell us about the journey that you've been on of that kind of whatever it is, you know, finding yourself, self-discovery, really coming home to who you are and owning your truth as a person. How did that come about?
1: Well, I had a breakdown after I had Ella. So she's six now. So what, about six and a half years ago. I'd had prenatal depression. I had postnatal depression. I just didn't carry a girl very well at all. You know, it was stressful. I lost a hell of a lot of work. So my income was like basically nothing. So I found myself going back to work very quickly and I was breastfeeding Ella. I was literally, you know, driving to the train station I'd have a pram, I'd have a suitcase, I'd have it attached to me. I was breastfeeding. I was, you know, driving around the country. I was doing gigs, I was doing TV shows. And it was just not really what I wanted to be doing, but I needed the money. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Relationship wasn't great. Not going to lie. And it just felt like every day I was just struggling, you know, to get out of bed, to to cope. Everything, just everything was getting on top of me. Um, And then I, I had a breakdown. I, I was not having very nice thoughts. So we'll just leave it at that. Um, but I ended up going into A&E one day. I was taken into A&E and just broke down. Like I wasn't sleeping at all. I couldn't sleep. I was worrying constantly because my income had dropped so drastically. It was almost like I wasn't even living like the, the bills when the work wasn't enough to pay. So I was constantly like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. So I'd get in bed overnight, night and before I knew it, my alarm would be going off. Mm. And I'd be thinking, have I even slept? Yeah. And that went on for a couple of weeks and then I'll never forget this one morning. I just got up, I sat in the bottom of the shower and I just cried, mm-hmm. I just cried and cried and cried. Feel a bit emotional. (laughs) It was just so much baggage, so much pain, so much fear, so much hurt. I just remember crying there, just thinking, I can't do this. Like, I've got no energy, like, I've got nothing else to give. I was just like a zombie, just like I was a shell of myself. And um, around that time, I ended up going into hospital and talking to the doctors and they basically put me under the care of the mental health team so I'd had a breakdown in inverted commas um and what they did at first they just they they give me tablets for me to sleep I hadn't slept like in a long time so I caught up on a bit of sleep then I went into cognitive behavioral therapy so they decided that that was going to be helpful for me because I was stuck in the past or stuck in the future and creating all these events that might not even happen but worried sick couldn't eat you know couldn't keep any food in me it'd be going in the loo and you know just living on my nerves yep. So I did that for 18 weeks and at the end of that it was almost like now you need to go into the world and figure out who you are. And I cried on my last day. Honestly, it it was the most, like, it it was just what I needed. I just felt loved, I felt nurtured, I felt safe, but my brain was working in a different way. I was living in the here and now, which is what CBT is all about, living in the present. So during that 18 weeks, I'd spoken to my therapist and I was like, my sister has just gone back to college doing beauty therapy. And she's really loving it. And I think I'd, I think I'd really enjoy that. But she was like, right, well, what are you going to do about it? Uh-huh. I was like, oh, I think I'm going to enroll for a course. So I phoned up a few colleges. Like I literally took my mum with me on my day to enroll because I was so nervous. I made my mum get out the car and go in and just check <laughs> out because I was like, I was really nervous. Of like course. I had no presence, like I literally left school and was a singer and I'd sang for 15 years. So I didn't know. I was, I was scared. Of course, of course. Um, But wow, what, what a breakthrough it was just in myself, just to give me the confidence. Like every Tuesday morning I put my uniform on, you know, sort the kids out, go to college, be there all day, not thinking about anything other than beauty, Mm -hmm. you know, anatomy, physiology, treatments. And I think that's the main thing when you're suffering any kind of depression, you need to get out of your head. You need to focus on something else. And it is hard because when you're depressed, all you can think about is being depressed and all the negative, but being in college, like those, what, five, six hours every week, nothing, everything else just disappeared. And then it was like, Oh, well, when I'm doing that, I feel good. So I was doing extra courses. And then I just became like a course fanatic. Um, and that was it. It kind of took me out of my comfort zone. But that then I realised, actually, I can be whoever I want to be. Like, this is now, like, it's a blank canvas. My life's blank. Like, I've got this blank canvas. Mm-hmm. And now it's time to start again and create something. And I never knew where I wanted to go. I never had an end game. But I just knew that learning new things and pushing myself made me feel good. Yeah. And then from there, so I did beauty therapy. Then that went on to holistic therapies. Then I went on to a skin specialist. So like I trained with the International Institute of Anti-Aging in London. Mm. You know, it just kind of progressed. And last year, I owned my own business. Like literally didn't have a clue what I was doing. Sat at my coffee, at my dining table every day, like Googling how to set up a business, following the steps, you know, getting all Mm. the insurance and this, that, the other and. I just think doing all the things that I never thought were possible just give me so much independence. Yeah, Like I don't need anyone else. It's all within me. I've just got to trust that I can figure it out without putting too much pressure on myself. Mm. And like now I don't even, like I just don't react to anything in life the way I used to very rarely. Sometimes I do get a bit yeah. feisty scouser, but um I've just like retrained how, like you know, I've done a lot of personal development, yeah. a lot of growth, a lot of working on the shitty bits <laughs> because yeah. the bits that don't save me, and I I, I, you need to, you just need to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to drive that into like my new future with me.
0: I know, and I think that's important because I think what happens is we run, we're running. And we're wanting to leave our past behind us because the the, the emotional, the pain, the trauma, but actually what, what you've described and you and I obviously connected last year, um, you can only run for so long unless you actually go in, peel back those layers and shine that light on it, mm. then it's going to keep manifesting. it's going to keep, patterns will keep being repeated unless you go in and go, actually, where does this come from identifying it? feeling it and then just basically going and throwing it away right it's gone now it's, it's gone it doesn't define you it's something that's happened and our energy just keeps bringing in the same sort of energy so it's about going in and actually creating new habits creating new beliefs because you weren't born and this is for anyone listening you weren't born with those beliefs of who you are or i'm a this person oh i'm a mess I'm an emotional person, I'm a this, I'm a that. It's actually, you know, stories and circumstances and then you start to gather evidence over the years and then you vibrate at that level, you attract more of the same. It's actually about going in and unpicking that and you've done so much personal development. So it's not like you just went, okay, I had all this stuff and then I did some CBT and then that was me. You have constantly done the personal development over a number of years and it is the more holistic stuff that you've done.
1: Yeah. I've, I've loved it, like the healing, the like regression, the like, just mm-hmm. everything. It's been so transformative for me because if I can get, like I'm 38 now and you know my reactions to how I feel or to situations, I've always been knee jerk reactions. Like, I've always been that girl. It's like, I feel it and I'm like, ah! You know, and I'd say things and, you know, I just had this fire. I always had this like fire within me, like (laughs) which would just blow up. And it just got to a point point. I was like, you need to just get rid of that. Like you need to, you need, you need to be your own savior.
0: Mm.
1: And the minute I got into my head and it was like, the only person who's actually going to fix this is you. Mm. Stop looking for external ways of doing it. So when I actually just acknowledged that and owned my shit yeah. and I was like, okay, well it is me creating these like feelings mm. <laughs> because of how I'm reacting to situations. So how can I react differently? And it is literally like programming again, mm-hmm. but I've, I've kind of created this space yeah. space. So between my feeling and reacting, I've created a gap yeah. So it's like I will get a, like I'll like I will take on something that happened, whether it's what I've seen or what I've heard or what yeah. I've read, mm-hmm. and then my my reactions always come from my gut. Everything yeah. just plays up. It's like it's like a heat that rises. Mm-hmm. And now I just go, OK, and just pause. pause,
0: pause. And I think that's so key It's we're all triggered and you will. I mean, I still get triggered, but it's actually catching it now and pausing instead of just going to the familiar, which is the mind. It's actually pausing, like you said, taking a deep breath and almost a great way to do it. And um, for anyone listening is putting your hand on your heart space, connecting to your breath and asking your body what it needs and it gives you enough time to pause and your body will give you a different answer to what your head will give you and I love that and it takes practice it's like right okay body what is this okay how how do we want to react to this okay that the the familiar is I want to go batshit crazy and I want to go absolutely mental but actually I'm going to just pause and it's just enough time that pause is just enough time to slow the nervous system down and go all right okay what's the truth here how do I really want to act or how do I really feel about this situation what's the truth I love that you do that and you've obviously then gone on to create live better with Natasha mm-hmm. so for any listener that doesn't know what live better with Natasha is, let's let's tell them because it's bloody awesome
1: <laughs> okay so when we went into lockdown I lost all my gigs so all, uh, all, all my music um concerts gigs everything got cancelled so I was like, "Oh, what am I gonna do?" Uh, I'm stuck in the house with the kids as well. <laughs> I'm gonna go insane. <laughs> um, so a friend of mine was like, "Why don't you create like a group?" And I was like, mm, "Okay, not really my thing, because i have not really like had, never hung out in Facebook." But I thought, well, actually, if I'm feeling like overwhelmed. Maybe I'll just create like a little group and people can come in. And I was like, actually, I know some really cool people like Jill. And I "I could come in and do like a meditation just to help people going through this transitional phase. So it was literally that simple. And then throughout lockdown, the group really expanded. I brought people who were like experts in the field, people talking about, you know, managing anxiety, you know, meditating to keep calm, calm. balance and chakras, you know, we had Mm. fitness in there. We had stuff about nutrition. It's all about your physical, mental, spiritual, emotional well-being. So on Facebook, search for Live Better with Natasha. It's a free group. It's free. So just come on in. uh, And there's so much information on there um, that people can tune into. And then off the back of that, about two, three weeks ago, I launched... My Live Better with Natasha podcast, which Yay. yourself have been on, and you know, we had a fantastic chat. And that is just for me, it's sharing real stories, Yay. just like we are now. Yay. Like no bullshit, mm-hmm. no, you know, trying to make the world a better place and like mm-hmm. annoying people. It's like, look, this is people come in, whether they're experts in the field, a normal person. Uh, maybe a celebrity every now and then, but they come in, it's like they tell a story of their journey, like where they started, how they got through to where they are now, you know, hints and tips. How can you show yourself more self-love? How can you heal yourself? You know, things about the pause. Um, we've got people going into some really good stuff about the mind, mindset. Yeah. Um, there's just something on there for everyone, but the, the feedback I've had... It's just that it's so honest and raw. Like I'm always honest about my my yeah. story now. I'm like, there's no point me papering over the cracks to try and like impress people like yeah. that. Like perfect life? No, my life is not perfect. It's a constant, and your well being is constant. Um, it takes constant work.
0: Yeah, it does. And that's the thing people think, you know, oh, if I do this seven-day meditation or if I do this thing for three months, I'm like, right, listen up. Would you go to the gym, get lean muscle, a six-pack for three months and then never go again and expect to still have that lean muscle in that six-pack? No, you wouldn't. So why would you think your mind is any different? We have all been conditioned from childhood. We take on stories, but it's about actually owning it. And I love what you said, Natasha, about taking ownership of your own shit yeah yeah things are going to happen like life is meant to be enjoyed but there is some things that happen in your life that will turn your world upside down and you can go to the darkest place that you'll ever go but it's not your life like like, that's not your whole life it's a it's a moment in time yeah and I think people think that They either need medication or they either need someone to come and save me, save me, fix me, take me away from all of this. The moment you get, you know, really start to own your responsibility, like you said, it's the moment that actually can be amazing because it's like, well, if I'm in charge, what do I want to do? Like, what can I do? How
1: capable am I? you've got to be honest with yourself. Like mm-hmm. how how can you heal if you're still l- given like this edited story to you, telling an edited Two. story to yourself? Yeah. Like yeah. you never go, like you will still go around in a circle. You'll make the same repeat patterns. You'll make the same mistakes. You'll keep going on and on. It, when you just stop and say, okay, this is my shit, mm-hmm. how can I fix it? Mm-hmm then there's nothing else to have behind Then, So you can start figuring it out. Oh, it's
0: liberating as well. I mean, we're all scared to embrace vulnerability and that's why I created this. And a year ago, exactly a year ago to this month, I was in San Diego and I shared with people what I wanted to do. And it was create this platform of speaking to people like yourself who are going to share and embrace vulnerability because it changes lives. Like what you have shared, Natasha, today on this podcast could save someone's life listen to it literally someone could listen to that and say oh my god right that that's all I needed to hear that that I'm not alone that someone else has been through that I mean I've had emails from people messages from people saying you gave me hope when I had none reading that what you did or listening to what you said I I didn't want to wake up tomorrow and you've given me hope Now that is life changing, right? And what you and what I wanted to create with this is a platform to say, you know what? Everyone, there's not a single person, no matter who they are, no matter what you think that has their shit together 100% of the time, but that's okay. Like we are a whole human being. We have a wide range of different emotions that come in. But what's not right is when we try and, think that there's something wrong with us for having
1: those feelings Mm. you know well too hard on ourselves Mm. like that's one thing that I oh I was brutal like I would never treat anyone the way I treated myself Mm. like my internal story my internal thoughts that I was how I would speak to myself you know I was a loser I was weak i was an idiot you know i would and that's how i that's how I You'd would say respond. it said the words I'm like no wonder i'm freaking depressed when i go i know depressed. i, I don't nice myself all day I know. and now it's like yeah you're not perfect but that's okay but it's oh that's okay and this is the thing like no you don't need to know the bigger picture just put one foot in front of the other yes and i think that's where people can get overwhelmed because you know, if you don't know what you want to do tomorrow, how are you supposed to figure out what you want to do in a year's time or whatever? But it doesn't have to be, you don't have to start making big grand plans. Mm -hmm. Just wake up in the morning and say, okay, I'm going to do something for me today. Yeah,
0: follow the joy. Like when people say, I don't know what my goal is, I don't know what a goal is. And I say to them, you don't need to know what your goal is. Why don't you just make your goal you? And then your goals will come off the back of you making your goal you. Make your goal feeling good. Like, so... You think, I don't know how to do that. Well, actually follow the joy. How do I want to be today? How do I want to be in me today? I want to feel good. So what do I do that makes me feel good? Whether that's dancing, whether that's singing, putting music on, going out a walk in nature, follow the joy. And then when you start to follow that joy, more of the same comes in. Stop trying to control everything and just try and control feeling good in you. And the rest will come. It just takes time, right? And it's letting go of that pressure, thinking that someone else is doing it. Because I could tell you right now, listeners, like what you think you're seeing with people is not the reality. It's a 15 second highlight reel, right? It's not not their life. And I want to share that. And I love, Natasha, that you, and this is why I wanted to get you on so much is that you are... You're so real and honest, and it is inspiring to so many to say, "I love that." You're my type of girl, right? Because you're freaking real.
1: That's well. Well, listen, I've got, you know, scouts parents, scouts. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't do bullshit, and um, and I just want to be a a good role model to my kids, yeah. and you know, especially my little girl, because she looks up to me a lot, and the way I the way I am now is like I just I just look at it and I'm like okay so life's life's gonna be a bit of a journey Uh but you can enjoy it you know I just want to instill in air, like not to be so rigid with a thought and Mm. you know enjoy life and be happy and yeah yeah everything just comes from and also just want, I want a happy life. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do I would never want to do the, the past 20 years again? No. Because it's been so hard. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned now is, it really doesn't have to be that hard. Mm-hmm. I'm, I think i made life very difficult for myself at times. Yeah, come back I'm to the self, up.
0: come back to the body, to the heart, to the gut, your soul. What, what do you want? Not what the head thinks we should be doing. What do you want? And I think that's great if you're instilling that in Ella now too. So amazing. And what I want to do just to finish is just fire a couple of questions at you. And I've been doing this with every guest. Okay, so a couple of questions. Loving myself means
1: what to me? Finding inner peace. Mm. Having just that calm, yeah. Of it doesn't like I'm not perfect, yeah. That's Having an inner peace with who with who you are.
0: Love that. When I don't speak my truth, it feels
1: <laughs> not genuine. Mm.
0: If I could give my younger self one piece of advice, what would it be?
1: (laughs) That's a good one. Speak to your mum more. I think if I'd have been more open to talking about my feelings, it would have created that conversation. Mm. But I did, I just kept it all in. And now as I'm older, I talk to more about anything. Amazing. Yeah, I did feel a little bit alone when I was younger, but that's just because I wasn't confined in.
0: Yeah, I love that piece of advice. Okay. If I had nothing to fear and nothing to lose, I would be dead. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the whole point of life? <laughs> the risk balance I know if there is no fear of failure and no fear of judgment what would you do um,
1: well I feel like that's where I am now' like it, doesn't, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter what the outcome is as long as now I just don't have the fear yeah i love that and you've worked on yourself to
0: get you to that point though yeah which is amazing so great answer oh natasha thank you so 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 much for coming on thank you so much i just felt was that really morbid oh i'd be dead (laughs) no it's hilarious i'd be bloody dead oh you've just been amazing and i'm sure everyone listening to this will have got so many insights and Really felt your emotion, you know. So grateful for you coming on and sharing that.
1: Thank you. Thank you, you so, much, thank for you so much for having me. And what you're doing is absolutely amazing. Oh, thank you,
0: lovely. Bye. Bye.